When people say that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, it's not true. Absolutely. Because you can reinvent yourself and learn new things whenever you want. For the first couple of days, you kept saying, you can't fix ugly. Mm -hmm. And it broke you my heart. You all have fixed ugly. <laughs> we have fallen in love with you. And I, I didn't really expect to have this moment with you. And you were such an amazing man. I saw a lot of makeover shows and I told to her that it was more than a makeover show because it's so deep. I'm Meredith Goldstein, advice columnist for the Boston Globe, host of the Love Letters podcast, and lover of television. And this is Because I Watched, a podcast exploring how real people's stories have been changed thanks to their favorite Netflix shows and movies. Each week, we explore amazing stories from across the world, influenced by your favorite series and read by the actors who helped make them. My grandpa Marty and I were really close, and we agreed about almost everything, except he couldn't quite figure out why I didn't want to be married. He always asked me if I was going to get a boyfriend, and he would absolutely yell at me if I told him I went on a date and didn't let the man pay. I tried to let him know what it was like for me, as a woman, in my time, that it wasn't so important to be coupled, but he just couldn't get it. And then something weird happened. He saw The Devil Wears Prada. He was obsessed with that movie, and he said one of the reasons was because suddenly he got it. He saw this character, Andy, who would march through the city with journalistic intentions, and he thought, oh, you're like her. You live in the city. You love your job. You want to make a life for yourself. And there's beauty in that, that even a movie can help us figure each other out, that we can be wrong, and that our world can get that much bigger. Today's story is about one mother's transformation after watching what some like to call more than a makeover show. Today's essay is written by Evan Ross Katz and read by my favorite interior designer, Bobby Burke. Valentina Mansalve was only 13 years old when her father, Walter Raoul, died suddenly from a heart attack. In an instant, she lost the man that she still refers to as the love of her life. Suddenly and without warning, there were no more rides to school in the morning with her dad blasting the Beatles and Queen. No more nights falling asleep to the sound of Walter Raoul's voice reading her Wuthering Heights before bed. It was her favorite book. Walter Raoul would call Valentina Catherine, and she would call him Heathcliff. But now, Wuthering Heights would grow dusty on Valentina's bookshelf. Her father's death set in motion a series of events that would forever shift the trajectory of young Valentina's life. She and her mother, Flora, moved out of their house and went to live with Flora's parents. They didn't want to continue living in a home filled with memories of a man so beloved. It's not that Valentina didn't love Flora, but her affection for her father was all-consuming and sometimes left her mother feeling like a second fiddle. Not that there was much fun to be had in Venezuela under the authoritarian rule of then-president Hugo Chavez. But Flora was particularly strict with Valentina. Roller coasters? No way. Airplanes? Not happening. To Flora, this was love. But her overprotective affection sometimes felt suffocating to Valentina, who was eager to discover the world beyond the tumult of her home in San Antonio de la Altos, Venezuela. Nonetheless, Valentina loved her mother and showed her in the form of affection by handwriting Flora letters every day and painting for her, all while remaining shielded from many experiences by her mother's vigilance. Was Flora really doing this to protect her? 
Valentina sometimes wondered, or was it Flora's own fear of a changing world that she was foisting upon her only child, unaware of the burdens of these limitations? It would have seemed natural for Walter Raoul's passing to make the family closer. Instead, Valentina often felt that she and her mother were practically strangers. And then came Adrian, a young boy Valentina had met at her neighbor's quinceanera. Adrian was not like the other boys. For one, he wore pink shoes and a matching pink bow tie printed with hearts. He was showy, he was flamboyant. Valentina could not take her eyes off Adrian as he danced with several of the girls at the party. When he finally took a breath from dancing, Valentina approached him, complimenting his shoes. He complimented her dress and they became friends instantly. Valentina felt excited to meet a boy who immediately felt like one of her girlfriends. But her mother could not have been less enthused. He looks weird, Flora told her later that evening. Valentina was confused by her mother's dismissive commentary. She thought Adrian looked nice. Boys don't wear pink, Flora snapped. Valentina didn't understand. At the time, she didn't even consider the idea that Adrian might be gay. In fact, she didn't even know what gay was. She just thought Flora didn't like Adrian's shoes. Valentina tried to ignore her mother. She loved Adrian's pink shoes. But more importantly, she liked Adrian. He was handsome, charming. He made her laugh. Valentina couldn't figure out why her mother didn't seem to like him. Flora never seemed to have any problems with her other friends. A few years later, Valentina was on a school trip with her model UN team when she met Rodrigo. Their chemistry was instant, and before long, the two had fallen in love. It was March when they met, and by August, Rodrigo had come to Venezuela to see Valentina a few times. Every time he had come to visit, Valentina was excited not just to spend time with Rodrigo, but because he had got along so well with Flora, and Valentina felt like he was forming a really strong bond with her family. One night after dinner, the three of them were in the family playroom. Valentina was scrolling through Twitter when she came across an article discussing an initiative in Europe to make it easier for gay people to adopt. She showed it to Rodrigo. I think it's a lot better for a person to have gay parents than no parents at all, he said. Valentina nodded in agreement. No, Flora said. Suddenly, it was like all the air in the room had been sucked out. A family has a mother and a father, she continued. It would be weird for a kid to have two mothers or two fathers. And there it was again. That word. Weird. The same word Valentina's mother had used to describe Adrian just a few years earlier. Valentina was older now, and this time she was keen to the subtext. And so she spoke up. She calmly explained to Flora that given the growing number of orphans living on the street, she thought the idea of a loving home with two parents should be celebrated, regardless of the parent's sexual orientation. Flora, she didn't agree. It would be better for a child to be homeless than to be raised by gay people, she declared. And before long, the childhood wounds of a fractured relationship began to reopen. Valentina was devastated by her mother's fearful nature. In her mind, Flora had been conditioned to hate something that she simply did not understand. Like all of Valentina and her mother's discussions about gay people, the conversation ended without a resolution. But then, a year and a half later, in early 2018, Valentina discovered what became an immediate obsession. Queer Eye. 
Valentina's friend, a bisexual Lebanese Venezuelan she had met at university, had written to Valentina urging her to watch the show. Valentina loved reality TV, particularly makeover shows, and she had thought Valentina might come to love this one as well. Reality TV was also the thing that Valentina and her mother liked watching together when Flora would visit her at university. Watching What Not to Wear was one of the only times Valentina had ever heard her mother laugh. One night when she had finished binging Stranger Things, Valentina decided to switch from the upside down to Atlanta, Georgia, where the first season of Queer Eye takes place. She watched as Tom, a 57-year-old dump truck driver and a three-time divorcee who suffers from lupus, was guided through preparing for a reunion with his ex-wife, Abby. In the next episode, she watched Neil, a 36-year-old computer programmer, break down the psychological barriers he had put up there that were preventing him from getting close to people. And most importantly, she met the Fab Five, Anthony, Tian, Jonathan, Karamo, and me. She fell in love with us immediately. Her words, not mine. Valentina could not wait to introduce her mom to the show that she had grown to love so quickly. She was hopeful Flora would do the same. But Valentina was worried. They hadn't discussed the topic of homosexuality in a long time, and she was almost certain that her mom would react to the Fab Five in the same way that she had in the past. That Flora would dismiss Queer Eye as weird. Still, Valentina was determined to at least try. She pitched Queer Eye to her mother as something familiar. A makeover show, just like what not to wear. She told her mother that the Queer Eye hosts were gay, but she threw it in casually, almost as an aside. After all, her mother had surely seen gay characters pop up on other reality shows, and Valentina had never heard her say anything negative about that. Still, deep down, Valentina doubted her mother would actually watch Queer Eye. But boy, was she wrong. Flora watched the first episode, encountering Tom, Abby, and the Fab Five. Then she met Neil in episode two, Corey in episode three, and AJ in episode four. Before she knew it, she had completed the entire first season. Valentina had no idea Flora had actually watched until she got a text message from her mother. And when she read it, Valentina could scarcely believe her eyes. Baby, I downloaded all of the seasons, Flora wrote in a text. And I'll tell you something. I love it. It changed my perception of gay people. Flora said that the Fab Five were wonderful. She loved the way that they expressed their feelings without boundaries. She confessed that she had been homophobic. And she had realized that there was a lot that she could learn from watching Queer Eye. She admitted that the show had brought her to tears for reasons that she really could not fully articulate. But Flora didn't stop there. Valentina was shocked when her mother then called her. The two almost never spoke on the phone. You were right, Flora said, her voice crackling with excitement. They are lovely, very nice people, and they would be incredible with kids because they are so good with people in trouble or complicated or sad people. Finally, Flora was expressing what Valentina had hoped to hear from her mother for so long, that she had the ability to see people, regardless of their sexuality, as people. Valentina was amazed by the revelation that her mother now believed gay people would, in fact, make great parents and should, in fact, be able to adopt. It was a radical shift for Flora, 
the same woman who had once said that she would rather a child remain an orphan and homeless than experience the love of a gay parent. But beyond Flora's newfound acceptance of homosexuality, Valentina discovered that her mother's attitudes were starting to evolve on other issues as well. When Valentina was a little girl, Flora used to tell her that there were certain things a quote-unquote good woman shouldn't say or do, like have an abortion. But once she and her mother were able to talk about homosexuality without fighting, Valentina felt emboldened to bring up other topics, like her belief in a woman's right to choose. She remembers the silence at the other end of the line when she said it, and then came Flora's surprising reply. I think I raised you with the tools so that you can believe what you want to believe. Thanks to Queer Eye, Flora's mind was starting to open. The Fab Five had somehow done the trick. Valentina almost wondered if she herself was in the upside down. Valentina decided to not return to Venezuela after college, instead moving to Mexico City. The decision was in part to be closer to Rodrigo, but also because of the ongoing situation in Venezuela, which she describes as ugly and dangerous. Flora still lives in Venezuela, a country that does not offer the same legal protections to gay couples that it does for straight couples. For women like Flora, conversations like the one that she was finally able to have with Valentina are uncommon. Valentina says topics like abortion or gay and transgender rights don't get discussed in Venezuela because people are worried about having enough to eat. In the end, Flora's feelings on gay people, that they were weird and didn't deserve the right to adopt, were likely born out of Venezuela's cultural norms. Venezuela is hardly the only place where this kind of homophobia exists a deep-seated and societal reinforced set of prejudices so firmly ingrained that people are often afraid to think otherwise, fearful that it would lead to condemnation. There are many parts of the world where LGBTQ plus individuals can be punished, harmed, and even killed for the desire to live authentically. Equality can seem like a foregone reality for those of us living in a part of the world that celebrates marginalized identities, where Mayor Pete Buttigieg can make history as the first openly gay person to ever run for president. And Janet Mock can become the first out transgender woman of color to sign a major studio deal. This is progress that cannot be ignored. But neither can the floors of the world, who fear LGBTQ plus people because that's how the society that they grew up in tells them that they should feel. For Flora, getting to know the Fab Five was an opportunity to combat her homophobia through visibility. She realizes that she did not hate gay people. She just didn't really know anything about them. And once she was able to see the joy that the Fab Five brought to so many people's lives, she finally saw gay people as just people. It wasn't easy. It wasn't without tense moments. When Valentina was certain she and her mother would never see eye to eye. But in the end, thanks to an unknowingly poignant assist from the Fab Five, Valentina helped change her mother's mind. And not only that, Valentina was able to find a way to communicate with Flora, to feel a closeness akin to what she had once felt with her father. Valentina and Flora's story is a lesson not just in the acceptance of gay people, but of the accepting of what you do not know. After all, people are just people. Sometimes they wear pink shoes, and sometimes they adopt children into loving homes, and sometimes they have long hair and a twirly mustache and say gorgeous a lot, while wearing a dress. When people say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, 
it's not true because you can reinvent yourself and you can learn new things whenever you want. Reading this for the first time was was very emotional for me. Um, we've gotten thousands of stories like this since our show came out, I mean, from the very first day. And to hear that we're able to to open people's minds that may not have ever had their minds open, and to hear that we're able to bring families together, um, not just on issues about homosexualities, but just just bring families closer together by giving them an outlet to talk about things that before might have made them a little uncomfortable. It kind of opens up a, a safe space for them to talk about things that even aren't on the show. Open up a much larger dialogue to just have a really a free relationship with each other. You know, to anyone out there like Valentina who who has a wedge between them and their family just due to different beliefs, or to that person in the LGBTQ plus community who is estranged from their family because their family doesn't accept them, give them time. Um, most of the time, their, their ignorance, their hatred, it's, it's not their fault. They were conditioned that way their entire life, whether it be from cultural norms, religious pressures. When you're taught something your entire life by people that you trust, by leaders in your community, by parents, by grandparents, by, you know, people that you look up to, you believe it. And it's only until you have visibility to things outside of that that you sometimes realize, wait, what I was taught is, is not right. You know, these people don't have horns. They're not horrible people. They're just people like me who are different. You know, give them time. You've had your whole life to... Uh, to come to terms with the fact that you're gay. Um, they haven't. So give them time. Show them the love and acceptance that you wish that they would show to you. And hopefully, in time, they'll reciprocate. I was at that point. I was an out teenager who, you know, left home because his family did not accept him as being gay. Um, and just two weeks ago, my father, he asked me, How's Dewey? I haven't seen him in a while. You know, you've got yourself a really good one. I really like him, and I'm so glad you guys found each other. And to hear that come from my almost 80-year-old cowboy father, who I never thought would accept me for being gay or ever accept me being married to a man, it meant a lot. If I could say anything to Valentina and Flora, or, or anyone for that matter, who who has a story like this that our show has touched, I um, just thank you. Thank you for letting us into your lives. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for accepting us when we're vulnerable and when our heroes are vulnerable. Um, thank you for giving us the platform to be visible um, so that we can continue to just try to make the world a better, more accepting, loving place. Family member loves you, at some point that member will decide to listen to you. So I think that is it's so possible. You don't have to pressure your family member, but you have to show how it's important to you 
I think that is, if it's a good person, at some point, even a little bit late, that person will understand. Thank you for listening to Because I Watched. Next week, we'll hear about how Delhi crime inspired one writer to speak up about the mistreatment of women in Pakistan. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for other people to find the show. Because I Watched is produced by Netflix and Spoke Media. Today's essay was written by Evan Ross Katz and read by Bobby Burke. Special thanks to Valentina and Flora for sharing their story. This is Meredith Goldstein. We'll see you next week. Thank you.